Hello and welcome to BizNation, your home for micro and small business help. Join us as we unpack all the pain points in starting or running your small business. If you're looking for support in business, join us on Facebook, Micro and Small Business Support Group. Your host, Kerry Zarb, brings you discussions, interviews and many hints and tips to get you all set in your business. So sit back and enjoy as we launch into today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. This is episode number 24 of the Biz Nation podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by my Facebook group, Micro and Small Business Support Group. This is where I hang out and I would love to see you there. For anyone in small business that's struggling, needs some help or some advice, head over to Facebook, join the group. We have a fantastic community of like-minded business owners that are there to support you, help you and guide you on your business journey. Like I said, I'm there all the time, so certainly reach out to me. I'd love to see you there. In the last episode, episode number 22, I spoke to you about when to hire in your business. Now, this was an interesting episode, but I think it's actually led to a few other questions. And I had planned this episode in advance to actually talk to you about the how to hire in your business. So we're going to step through this together today. And this could mean whether you're looking for an employee or whether you're looking also for that outsourced contractor. So it's a really exciting time and it can be a little bit daunting because perhaps your business has grown like you're growing really fast or you could even be at the point where you already experienced the growth and you've actually decided that you're now wearing too many hats and you just simply can't do it alone anymore. So it's not an easy position to be in and for some of us it can be a little bit daunting because we're small business owners. So our business is our baby and what can happen when you start to think about having someone else come into your business, whether it's an employee or the outsourced contractor, you can have these moments where you feel like you're going to lose control of your business. So this is where we're going to step through the process together and make sure that you're super comfortable with hiring someone in your business, again, whether it's the employee or the outsourced contractor. But it's certainly not a space to fear because it's exciting and you need to embrace it. But I've got some really good tips to take you through how to step through this time and really set it up for success. So basically where to start is your probably your first mark I would recommend, whether it's an employee or a contractor, is to start asking people that you know. So you want to reach out to your friends, even family members, if that's what you want to actually start with in your business. If you're happy to have a friend or a family member, it's a really good place to start when looking for some help. The next thing, if that turns up no possible candidates, you could start reaching out to your further network. Now, your network might include some other business buddies that you have. You could reach out to people that you know on social media. There's so many options available, obviously. After that, if you don't have any luck, I would go to the free sites as a first point. So the type of sites like Gumtree or Indeed, are a really good place to start looking for someone to help you in your business. If this fails, and obviously it depends on your business and what kind of role or position that you're looking for, 
The next option from there is a paid ad with Seek, but I would leave this until the last resort because I think they range around about $300. So you just want to be careful with your spending and as much as you need help, obviously you don't want to keep, you know, 300, 300, 300 and next minute, you know, it hasn't been the right answer. And again, coming back to the position and, and what you're actually looking for as to what might be the right place to, to advertise. So before you place your ad, let's just make sure that you've got your structure set. So one of the things we spoke about in previous episode was about what the role actually was, what you want the person to help you with. So that's key aspect number one. You need to know who you're looking for. Um, and again, whether it's an employee or an outsourced contractor, you need to have a really clear indication of the person that you're looking for. Almost paint yourself a mental picture. Then what you need to do is think about the structure of finding this person. So you've got to be really clear to yourself. If you are crazy busy and you just do not even have time to scratch yourself, you're going to have to take time for this process. And that is something that I want everyone to be super aware of because it drains your time so much. There's a few ways you can break it down and there's many different methods that you can use to get through this process and find the right person to work with you in your business. But all I can tell you straight off the bat, I have hired many people over many years in many different industries and trust me, it just takes time. So you need to have that time allocated in your diary and set that time aside because if you rush this process, you're going to end up really regretting doing that for, for starters and hopefully not. Maybe, you know, if that's the way you have to do it, hopefully you have success. But from what I've seen in, in my personal um, situations and, and what I've gone through, it can really make things a little bit messy if you try to rush it too quickly. So really what you want to do is, again, coming back to setting it up for success, you really want to work out the structure with a day for screening the resumes. That's step number one. And maybe it's not a day, maybe it's only half a day. So you could speed that up depending on how many applicants and depending again who you're looking for. I would then dedicate another day for making calls. Again, it could be a half day, but I like to dedicate a day. Then you need another day for the interviews. Again, could be a half day. And then also, depending on whether you want to have second interviews as to whether you need another half day or a day again. But really stepping out that process and having that allocated in your calendar is really going to help you. And certainly, as much as you might be under the pump and you really need some help and you need it quickly, you certainly want to go through this and at least be mentally aware of, of what you're stepping into and, and how you can step through it a little bit better and be prepared and obviously get a better result. So really uh, starting at the start is the screening process with the resumes and depending on the position and all of those factors as to how many you're going to get, also where you've advertised and, and many other contributing factors to the situation. So screening the resumes comes with many little things that you can find out about a candidate before you even speak to them or even consider your interview process. One of the little things that I've come across time and time again, and I'm trying not to be judgmental here, and it's certainly something that you may or may not find, 
is the little things in the resume, you know, spelling errors, the way that it's laid out. Um, not a lot of younger people have experience with writing their resumes, but it's certainly something to kind of take on board. And again, depending who you're hiring and what the position is. But one of the things that I've seen on numerous occasions is their email address. So if their email address is something like sexynameyear at gmail.com, they're not really in that professional zone yet. And it might be age and depending again on the position that you're actually you know, offering and, and who you're looking for, it might be just something that you need to be aware of. But that's a, a standout to me. Obviously, once you get to the phone call situation, um, if their number's disconnected, that could also be a problem. If you've used somewhere like Seek or perhaps even Indeed, there are other ways to find phone numbers. So certainly do a bit of investigation because at the end of the day, we're all human. So I do like to give particularly young people the benefit of the doubt, but it's just something to take under advisement and something that you might want to consider for your process. So Many young people haven't been taught how to write a resume or even to consider things like having a wrong digit on their phone number or what context their email has. So just keep that in mind as well, but it's up to you. They're little things that I look out for, but it's completely up to you. You might find that it's perfectly fine for your business and the position that you're you're advertising. Um, the next part I like to step through is being a little bit kind of unscheduled. So stepping into the phone call, and some people might call it a phone interview, I like to call it my first like initial contact. So once I've screened my resumes, I like to then reach out to a few people that caught my attention and kind of just get them unawares. So for example, you might actually want to reach out to someone at... 8.30 in the morning. You might want to wait until 9 o'clock or 9.05 or you might want to catch them at lunchtime. Whatever kind of suits you and, and whatever your schedule is and how you want to play it out. But I like to call them in the 8.30 to 9 o'clock mark because if they're seriously looking for work, and this goes for all age groups, if they're seriously looking for work and they're knowingly putting their resume out to potential you know, employers, they should be ready for the calls. At the end of the day, if they're serious about looking for work, they'll be ready for the calls. So that's just something that I've done in the past and found it really interesting. The next step is obviously assessing how they answer the phone. So some candidates, you know, particularly at nine o'clock in the morning, they might still be in bed. Um, they might answer with, you know, the, the morning voice and, and that type of thing. If they recover well from that, because you have, remember, you've caught them unscheduled, it's not too bad. It could actually be a quick recovery and they bounce back and then they're super perky and super excited. If they stay in that drone state and they're not really recovering, for me, that's a little bit of a red flag. That tells me once they know who you are and why you're calling, they kind of don't care too much. So that's something else to be a little bit mindful of. Um, the next thing that I like to move on to is the actual phone interview. So you've touched base with them and in that touch base, it's it's really a good opportunity to nut out some really kind of cut to the chase, decisive kind of things so that you're not wasting your time or theirs. So in that first unscheduled phone call, I would ask them things like their expected rate of pay 
and obviously their days of availability and if they even suit the position. Those two things are key. If they don't tick those boxes, don't waste your time. It'll just drive you mental and it's certainly you don't have time to waste. So then you can progress them from there. So at the end of that unscheduled call, I would actually say to them, I'll be in contact further. Um, Keep an eye out for an email from me, check your junk folder, all that kind of stuff that you can do to preempt them that something may be coming. Um, If you don't like them at all, probably don't waste their time even with that conversation or or your own time. Um, But certainly it's an opportunity to get that first impression and hopefully it's a lasting impression and hopefully you've got heaps of amazing candidates from to choose from but i like to just step through that really quickly then from there you might want to either conduct a formal phone interview or you might step into these days unfortunately it could be a zoom uh, interview or it could be a face-to-face whatever you can actually do in your business and depending on when this is actually happening in your business zoom is a really good thing and i think zoom interviews will continue into the future so certainly something to keep in mind but always obviously when working face-to-face we are going to meet face-to-face it's just a matter of when that actually happens so if you are conducting a first official phone interview or a zoom interview there's a few little things that you can do to actually nut out pretty quickly so that you're not wasting more time or you know your time their time all of that kind of stuff there's a few little things that you can do and a couple of really good questions that you can be prepared with going into the interview process and some of these can actually um make or break a candidate and what I like to do is obviously you know discuss the role with them go through your expectations gauge their responses to what you're saying read their body language you know watch them if they're kind of like looking around the room and not really paying attention or you know that type of thing even on zoom same thing you know if the dog walks past or something then the dog shouldn't be walking past, like all of that kind of stuff, making sure that you've got their attention and they're paying attention and they are truly engaging with you, whether it's face-to-face or on Zoom, it doesn't really matter. So make sure you've got some really good questions prepared for them. Now, really good questions that I like to ask is things like, if you had, you know, X happen to you, say if you're in a workplace and a team member challenged you, Um, you know, how did you react to that circumstance? Or in the past, if you've had a customer actually challenge you on the price of something, you know, how did you react to that situation? Having those kinds of questions, not only um, ask them some serious, you know, it gives you really good insight into them as a person, but it also actually then um, gets them to talk a little bit more. They're not just nodding. They're not just saying yes or no. They've actually got to give you conversation. So you're going to start to see the real person and see how they interact with you and obviously, you know, assessing their, their verbal skills at the same time. So having questions like that are really, really quite handy. And obviously, again, going over the role, making sure that everybody's on the same page of the expectations early on in the process. So Then what can happen from there is a couple of different things. So say, for example, in the first interview, whether it's on Zoom or face-to-face, you kind of get the impression that this person may not quite be right for you. 
it's a really good opportunity to dive in a little bit deeper, see if you can get a little bit more out of them, see if you can see more personality in that first interview before you've actually said, no, they're not for me. Because the last thing you want to do is actually miss out on a really good candidate. Um, but at the same time, if you're getting the full vibe of they are definitely not for me, they are too negative or, you know, they're not interested, they're looking around and they're completely distracted, then it's pretty pretty clear pretty early and I would highly recommend sometimes I've even just ended interviews early. Um, that's not um, unacceptable and it's certainly um, you're a great position that, that you can be in if you're not feeling the vibe and your gut's telling you it's not the answer, then just move on. Um, <clears throat> when you get to the second interview stage, and this again could be Zoom or face-to-face, -face, it's really a good indication and the reason I like to hold those second interviews is because it's a really good time. They've relaxed. They're coming back for a second interview. They think, oh, I've got a really good chance here. So they're going to open up a little bit more to you. But again, you need to have the right questions to prepare for that second interview. You've gone over so much in the first interview, no doubt. So it's a really good opportunity to, to ask more in-depth conversation, uh, to engage more in-depth conversation from them and, you know, really start to see more of their personality and get a gauge for, you know, is, is it a good personality? Are they a nice person or are they potentially and unfortunately going to be a bit of a cancer in your business? And that would be bad, really bad. People that are negative and, you know, that type of thing, you really don't want working in your workplace, even if it's just you, like that negativity can spread um, to you or to other team members, depending on your position. So, in that second interview, make sure you've got some other good questions to ask them. Ask them a little bit about them. Now, when we get into personal questions in an interview, you do have to be a little bit careful because um, privacy and, you know, kind of all that kind of stuff these days doesn't allow us to kind of, you know, prod and poke and, and get all the information that we want to if people don't feel comfortable sharing things about their family life or their personal life they really don't have to um, but on the flip side of that you know certainly have those open conversations even start with an example of something about yourself you know if you sat down with them or you're on Zoom and you, you turn around and said, you know, oh, I've got, you know, two kids and, and my hubby and he does this and, and we've got a dog and a cat. And that could even help lead them to open up a little bit and share a little bit more with you. Um, but certainly, you know, you can't push, you can't kind of poke and prod too much. But it's a really good opportunity in that second interview to get to know them a lot more and in a lot more detail and I've found on many occasions the second interview has given me so much more insight to a person sometimes it's just a light bulb moment of oh my god they are awesome I must have them other times it's mm, didn't see that in the first interview look at what happened just then you know like you might hit a nerve and and find out a, another part of their personality that you weren't aware of so do lots of investigation with them and have great questions to ask them and certainly make sure at the end of the interview process, whether you've just done one interview or you've done two, make sure you give yourself time to reflect. 
Reflecting on those that you're talking to or meeting is really important. It's a really good time and, and little bubble space for yourself to sit down and, and think about who you're coming across and think about different personalities and start to really think about what matches the position or your business. So I highly recommend that you've got that also scheduled in your time calendar. And sure, it might be of an evening, but just take a moment, make sure when you're conducting these interviews phone or zoom or in, in person that you're taking notes don't be afraid to take notes in front of them um, it's certainly expected it's it's nothing to to hide or, or hide un, under a desk um, and make sure that you you know after they leave even write yourself a, a few key little notes about them you know for example if you've seen and I hope you haven't if you've seen 12 different candidates in a day you know blonde hair blue eyes wore a red top little things like that just to help jog your memory at the end of the day of who was who and writing down little things that they said or ticking little sentences on their resume. Anything that's going to help you recollect who the people are if you're seeing a lot of candidates is highly recommended. So I really hope that when you're hiring in your business that you're not desperate. And the reason I say this is because when we're desperate and it can happen, trust me, it can really happen, we tend to make bad decisions. It's because we're rushed, we're panicked, we might not have time for the interview process, we might not have time to make all these phone calls, we might be literally like ready to tear our hair out because we just need help in our business. So at this moment is the desperation and this is when stuff just goes wrong like it can just go so so wrong if you rush your interview process and you rush through your candidates the chances of getting the wrong egg in your business is so so high so I really think that as much as we might be desperate as much as we don't have time and as much as we needed somebody yesterday slow it down take a breath you do not want to be rehiring someone else in a week or two's time and trust me it happens if you find the wrong person you are back to square one and most of the time it'll happen at about the two to three sometimes even four week mark and what that means is everything you've done all that time you lost in your business because I know you're thinking that you lost it because you did um, it's gone and you've got to do it all over again so slow down take a breath, take your time and really step through the process knowing that you want to find somebody for a longer term. Now, obviously, that is dependent on the position, that is dependent on the age group, it's dependent on so many factors coming into this equation. But really, you want to set it up that you've at least got someone in your business for Ideally, 12 months these days is what you can kind of count on from an employee. So aim for that 12 months, then you know you don't have to repeat this cycle again for 12 months at least. Hopefully it's longer and sometimes it is. And particularly when you're hiring someone a little bit more seasoned, then you know, you're know you going to get a better result. But at the end of the day, slow it down, take your time and know that the time that you're investing is going to give you that better result. So what do we do when we find the golden team member? We have had our hallelujah moment and we've found the person that is going to solve all of our problems, no matter what the position is. So what are the next steps from here? You've got the right person. You've been through this whole horrible process and you've probably had headache day after day and you've made it. You've found the person that's your little 
gold nugget, your piece of gold. So what I recommend is this is your opportunity to set up the role for success. And I wasn't going to touch on this, but I can't help myself. You need to get this organized. You need to be really clear with your little golden person that this is going to be awesome. And the first step to do, and I encourage you to do, is get all the paperwork sorted before they start. It gone are the days where we would turn up on our first day at work and then be handed all these forms and spend half our day filling out the forms. Those days are gone. It's the digital age. Everything's electronic. You can send them all the forms that they need before they start. So I highly encourage you, even if they're starting tomorrow, send them the forms tonight, like send that paperwork across. Even if they haven't completed it, at least you're showing that you are serious about this position. You are committed to them as a team member and it's going to be an awesome journey. Trust me, from those first couple of days, we'll make or break a team member. So if you've done all the right things and you've set it up for success, you've got a higher success chance for your business and your new team member. So get them their employment forms, get them their tax file declaration, get them their superannuation form, get them everything that they need to start on the right foot. I personally also like to send them an email with all those attachments that says, and you've probably gone over it in the interview process, but tell them what to wear. Tell them what facilities are available. Do you have a fridge and a microwave? Are they bringing their lunch? Is there a cafe nearby? All of those little things can make a massive difference to someone on their first day because there's nothing worse, particularly for the young ones, there's nothing worse than turning up on the first day at work and having a beautiful salad and no fridge to put it in. So you want this to be seamless. They need to feel like they're pretty much going from home to another home. And that's what it is. Let's be honest. We spend a lot of time at work, you know, even full-time or part-time or even casual employees spend a lot of time in in their jobs. So they want to feel like they're going from their home into another home no matter what that looks like so certainly spend a little bit of extra time once you've done it once you know if you need it in the future it's a copy and paste so it's a little bit of a time investment at the beginning if it's your first hire and it's something that you can use again in the future so I highly recommend sending just a little hey you know your first day's on this day starting at this time and you can wear x and you can bring y and all that kind of stuff and it just makes for a really great beginning and they're going to appreciate it you know that they're going to turn up and you've outlined exactly what you want exactly how it's going to go and even make yourself a day plan their very first day even if it's tomorrow make yourself a day plan what does it look like what are you going to show them just write yourself a couple of points if you're that flat out and you don't have time to you know really fluff it into a, an induction document dot point it just simply dot point it and then go through it the next day with them and tick it off tick it off tick it off because stepping through the key pieces of the business is so important for them you got to remember they've not been here before they've not worked with you before they need your help they need your guidance you are their new parent 
so to speak, if it's if it's a younger team member. And if not, you're their buddy, like you're there to help them and work with them and really nurture them on their journey, no matter what age group, where, you know, young or old, it's, it's all the same. That first day is always daunting. So make it as seamless as possible. Make sure you've got a really good plan and certainly have fun with it, you know, have fun with them, you know, engage them and all that kind of stuff and really set the tone for what you expect of the role and what your relationship's going to be with them moving forward. Okay, so next we're going to talk about hiring a contractor, an outsourced contractor. So this can be very different to hiring an employee. So really what you want to start to do and start to think about much like the employee process, is what it's going to look like. What's your strategy to it? Who are you looking for? How are you going to find them? So let's break this down. And it's not very dissimilar to the employee situation. And you'll see that in a moment. So what I'd recommend is once you know what you want, then you need to look for the who. So the who is really important. And what you want to do is you're going to be gauging between a few different options, I guarantee it, because when it comes to the who in contractors, it's a very different relationship as opposed to the employee. But it's still a team member. And don't forget that they're still part of your team. A lot of business owners get a little bit confused and think, oh, if you hire an employee, then they're a team member. They're someone that I've got to look after. I'm responsible for that person. And when hiring um, an outsourced contractor, you're not responsible for that person by all means. They're They're an adult or a business owner or however you want to look at it. But they are still a member of your team. So they still, I guess they some of them still need certain inclusions and certain levels of engagement to be part of your team and also to embrace them as a, as a team member. Some people like to term them as partners. Um, that's a pretty strong word and I have used it myself on multiple occasions. But some business owners get a little bit funny about using the word partner because then partner might mean that you know they're a partner in the business as in part owner. So with a contractor or the outsourced contractor, once you know what, now we're on to the who, and I apologize that I'm saying that again, but it is really important. The the what, what you want covered is like the key factor and you really need to know it. If you don't know what you want, you're really going to struggle in this space because they're out there and they're out there in the masses and there's lots of good and lots of bad, just the same as the employees. They are waiting for you. So, you you know, if you know what you want, they're ready for you to contact them. So, again, we go back to how do we find them? So, they live in all of the normal places. You know, I've seen um, contractors actually hired from Seek. Um, It's not where I'd start. I'd start on social media. I'd start with my friends. Ask for recommendations. Ask other people you know in business or friends in business, that type of thing. Ask them if they've used anybody in the past. And I'm probably going to use social media quite a lot as a bit of a demonstration because it's quite a popular space and something that contractors are used in quite a lot. So if you want someone in social media in your business, and it might be someone that's just posting content for you, they're creating the content and they're posting the content when you're asking for recommendations of someone to help you with your social media you really need to keep that in mind because your best friend Betty who runs the busy business she might have actually had someone come in and help her with her SEO now 
if Betty's had help in SEO and you're after someone for social media, they're not the same people. So this is, again, back to where you need to be really clear about what you want in your business. If you want someone that's going to fix your website, do your SEO, do your social media, all the, you know, and, and help you with some tech and, and all that kind of stuff, that's a very different person again. And it might even be that that becomes multiple people. So being clear on what you want, again, going to the people that you know, asking for recommendations, highly recommend this. Everyone loves to share those awesome experiences that they had with a contractor in their business even asking in groups if you don't have any immediate business buddies that you can ask go to the social media groups and ask the questions there because a lot of people have used a lot of people and had good and bad experiences you'll probably only get recommendations for who to use not not to use but that's okay it at least starts to give you some great options and a bit of a starting point to work on from there once you've got a recommendation and we'll go down this path I would then stalk that person I am an internet stalker I can stalk many things and hopefully you can as well and if you can't you're surely going to learn so you need to stalk out that person. So if social media, prime example, they should be on social media. You should be able to find that person or their business name. If you don't have their business name, make it your business to find out their business name. Ask whoever recommended them or certainly go online, Google the person under social media, put in their name, put in the word social media and see what comes up because you will find that person quite quickly. And if they're any good at social media, they're going to be out there and they should be easily found and very well found and you should see that they're present and they're engaging on social media as another great example. Once you've found a few connections, you'll have a range of people to reach out to. So start by either sending them a message on social media or reaching out to them via their web page from their contact form or even if they've just got their email address and sending them a straight up email. The biggest thing about the next step in this is because much like when hiring an employee, you're going to start screening them. So say you put out inquiries to six social media contacts, people that have been referred, a couple that you've Googled and, you know, some that you might have seen their posts online. So once you've reached out to those six people, I almost start a stopwatch. Who's coming back to me first? Who's actually watching for my inquiry? Who's on it? Who's going to start to engage with me? Who wants my business? And sometimes there can be a difference between wanting business and actually being good at, at you know, helping you in your business. But if they don't get back to you, I had one recently, I was reaching out for VAs and I think I got a reply from a website inquiry five or six days after I'd made the inquiry not a good sign, not a good sign at all. And call me judgmental. I don't really care. At the end of the day, if it took them five or six days to get back to me, they're not serious about their business. Like, and sure, you know, benefit of the doubt, something may have happened and it's probably not fair of me to be so judgmental. But still, at the end of the day, you know, if you're in business, you would expect that if something has happened, someone's taking care of it for them. Someone's giving them a little bit of a hand. So to not get a response within five or six days, I know I'm going on a bit of a rant here, but I found that a little bit disappointing. So hence, I didn't pursue that person. So then I guess it's a 
a combination of many things, much like the interview process. You're almost, you're vetting this person to see, A, are they a good fit for your business? B, can they do what you want them to do? And C, how do you feel about them? You know, have you connected with them? Are they, you know, like are you on the same page? Are you speaking the same language? Do they get you? You know, you might not know what you're talking about with your social media. Oh, I want some help in social media. But do they understand where where you're coming from? And then comes the opportunity for them to make their offer. So what they can do for you and what the price tag is going to be. So from this, you're going to have a few options on the table. And again, remember, you've gone out to six different people or companies, and hopefully you've got at least four responses. And by then, you should have a bit of an indication of how much and what you're going to get for your money. So what I like to do is sit down. You've got to compare apples with apples. And this is where it gets a little bit tricky because one contractor to the next will not give you the same result. You'd be lucky out of those four if you get anything that resembles the other one. So you've kind of got to morph it a little bit for yourself and you've kind of got to go with a bit of an equation and again using the social media person and not to pick on them because I think they're awesome Um, but if you sat down and you had four social media proposals and proposal number one says that I'll post two times a day on your Instagram and I'll use all the hashtags I'll do all the research and that's going to cost you and again this is no indication of the price of their services just for the purpose of the episode um, that's going to cost you $200 a week so they're posting twice a day on your Instagram and doing all your hashtags and the copy and and the content that goes with that twice a day $200 a week then proposal, the next proposal, we could go on for some time here, but the next proposal might be I'll do a post a day and I'll do the hashtags, I'll do the copy and the content and I'm going to do it, um, you know, at X amount of time on X amount. Of, I'm not going to do Sundays, um, but I definitely think you should be present on a set. Like they're going to put in different languages and they're going to put in, you know, and depending on the template of their proposal, how they're going to fluff it out or, or anything like that, which is great, by the way. If they're actually giving you a proposal rather than just a verbal conversation, this is a good thing. You want the actual proposal because they mean business if they're sending you something hard copy. And again, that turnaround time is really important. So if they've got a proposal to you after that conversation within a day, two max, whatever they've indicated, if they've told you I'm absolutely swamped at the moment, give me three days and you're okay with that, that's cool. You know, make sure you're agreeing to all of those terms when you're having these conversations. So again, sitting down with these proposals and you might not be comparing apples with apples. So you might have to kind of, you know, read between the lines and sit there with a highlighter or a text or something like that and really get down to what do you want? What suits you? What price are you happy with? But what were they like? You know, like remember, don't forget to go back to the human because you need to work with this person ongoing. And it's really important to have a great relationship with them. They are an extension of you, no matter what area of the business that they're working in. It will be a, a great relationship potentially. So if you just didn't connect and, you know, there's no um, like vibe going on there, then it's maybe just already answered the question. So look at the proposals, look at the person, look at the connection, make sure they get you and your business and the direction that you're going in and just, you know, 
assess all of that is all that I can recommend. Um, again, going back to the fact that people might have come from recommendations, that can actually sway our opinions when we're looking at proposals, but that's maybe not a bad thing. So that's something that you can keep in mind as well. So without going into all of the possibilities and all of the options and all of the things that you may face when looking for a contractor, I guess really what I'm trying to say is it's a good opportunity if you find the right fit and they're going to answer those things in your business, then this is the prime time to hit the ground running. One of the biggest things that you should be receiving, not only should you have received a formal proposal from this person, that means business, but you should also be getting a formal contract from them. Have that conversation as well. Do they have a contract? Do they, you know, put something together or is it something that you work on together? You know, how do they like to operate and get all that solidified from the start? It's a really good opportunity. It's just like having the employee set it up for success from the beginning. So sign off on any contracts, make sure that everyone's on the same page for what's being provided at what price, under what terms and conditions. It's all really important. So if you've come across a contractor that doesn't quite operate like that, not necessary to say that they're a bad contractor, but maybe it's something you could actually say to them, listen, I prefer we had a contract, so can you put something together? Put it back on them. They're providing the service. They're in business. So if they don't have the contract, they really should. And it's something that they should be willing to put together for you. So just to recap with the contractor, you've got all of your terms and conditions. You know what you're getting for, what amount of money you're paying, and it's a really good opportunity like I said before to form an excellent relationship working with this person but again it's about open communication you have to keep the relationship flowing and you've got to work close with this person and depending on what they're doing in your business as to how much contact you have but if something's not right you need to let them know at the end of the day it's just like an employee it's probably doesn't need as much fluffy language because we don't have all those fair work things Things to deal with which is kind of nice but make sure that you're having those open conversations touching base with them regularly making sure that they you know they're getting from you what they need and vice versa if you're not happy with something give them that feedback because they trust me they most likely want to please you because they want to keep you as a client so it's a really good opportunity to make sure that the communication's flowing everyone's on the same page if something's not right you work together to fix it and like I said well I am personally a contractor so I'm all for it and I love to have contractors in my business as well as being one but at the end of the day it's two-way street whether it's an employee or a contractor it's about forming great relationships it's about setting them up for success from the beginning and making sure that everyone stays on the same page so I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode and until next time take care thanks for tuning in to the biz nation podcast your home for small business help if you're looking for support in business join us on facebook micro and small business support group you can find the link on our website, biznation.com.au. Tune into future episodes for more discussions, interviews, and many hints and tips to get you all set in your business. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.